Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, We have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Right, today's the second week we're spending on this reading. Uh, Last week we had some really tough stuff. Jesus wasn't joking around when he said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than what it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And it was extra confronting for us because we spent the first part of last week's message dealing with any illusions that we might be carrying about how wealthy or not wealthy we are. Because by world standards, we Australians are extremely well off. And the lesson for us was we don't need to be rich by world standards. And we certainly don't need to be wealthy by Australian standards. As disciples of Jesus, let's let's always be generous and let's be sacrificial in the way that we give. But... As is often the case when we've got a difficult topic to deal with, um, the message was rather lengthy and we didn't actually get to talk about the encouraging stuff that Jesus had to say. And so I'm sorry I did this to you, but I've left you hanging for a whole week. Uh, We took on some of the most challenging words of Jesus, but we didn't get to focus at all on the blessings that go with those words. And today's topic is about the benefits of discipleship. It's about the benefits of being disciples of Jesus. 
Yes, we are also going to hear a, a little bit about persecutions, but the focus for today is on the immense blessing that it is to follow Jesus. All right, so last week, Jesus was talking about what we have to give up in order to follow him. Becoming a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean that we just tack a little bit of this Jesus thing onto our lives, right? We don't just graft a little bit of Jesus into who we are or what we do. Becoming a disciple of Jesus, becoming a Christian, is a radical transformation. Jesus described it as being born again. And it is so radical, it is so much of a complete turnaround in our thinking that when we start talking about the blessings of discipleship, well, the people of the world probably won't even comprehend the blessing as a blessing, right? As we hear about these blessings today, the people of the world might go, yeah, well, what's so great about that? You see, these are blessings for disciples of Jesus. These are blessings for people who have ditched a worldly perspective and, and they've taken on the, the eternal perspective that Jesus has given us. A worldly perspective can only understand worldly blessings. But when you've been reborn, worldly blessings aren't near as exciting as spiritual blessings. These spiritual blessings that come as being part of the kingdom of God. So, Peter said, look, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. Now, that doesn't mean that they sold up everything and gave everything away, but they did leave everything. They left their homes, they left their families, they left their livelihoods. That was the cost of discipleship for them. Now, the cost of discipleship for us, it might be very different to that. Uh, it will always be significant but it may be different. And the cost of discipleship for me will be different to the cost of discipleship for you. And the cost of discipleship for you will be different to the cost of discipleship for the person who's sitting in front of you. There is a cost for all of us, but it depends on the calling of Jesus. It depends on what Jesus calls us to as to what that cost will actually be. And so the cost can be significant, but so are the rewards. And we often, we tend to think of, of the rewards of just being eternal blessings, but Jesus actually tells us there's actually blessings in this life too. Let's hear what he had to say from verse 29. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Right? These blessings, the benefits of being a disciple of Jesus speak to us about provision, fellowship, community. They're about family. They're about having a connection, a sense of belonging, a, a place to call home, a group of people who you know you identify with. And of course, it's talking about salvation. 
But there are two errors that people commonly fall into when it comes to how we view these blessings. Some people get stuck in the rut of worldliness. It's so easy for us to to go back to getting fixated on worldly stuff. And I've visited many different types of churches and I've often heard it said, and often just before the offering's taken up, what you give is going to get multiplied back to you, right? And sometimes I'll quote the verse that we've had today where it talks about giving back a hundredfold. Now, if you're somebody who loves maths like me, you quickly do the calculations in your head. Ooh, so if I put a hundred dollars in the plate, if God's going to give me back a hundred, well, that's like, ooh, that's like $10,000. So if I can get that back and then I can put that in the plate, that's like a hundred times that. That's like, what's that? That's going to be a million dollars. Wow, that's, that's starting to get significant blessings, isn't it? And, and putting it crassly, it can easily become an exercise in greed. But I do hope you understand that when you give whether it be to support the ministry of Bush Disciples or whether it be to support another ministry or whether it be to give to somebody because they're poor and they're in need, the last thing that we should ever view it as is some kind of get-rich-quick scheme. We give not because we're wanting to get something back. We give because we're giving sacrificially. We actually sacrifice something we have by giving. And we, we, we give to a ministry because we say, hey, that, that actually is a valuable ministry that, that God is using in the world. I, I, I feel I should support that ministry. And we actually give to people who are in need because, well, we can see they're in need and they need a bit of a helping hand. And yet there continues to be a lot of people in the world who follow along the line of thinking, I give so I can get back. And that's a real problem. But the opposite of this is also a bit of a problem. It's to come to the point of missing the blessings of today or even despising the blessings that God gives us in this life. Some people get so focused on the afterlife that they, they actually don't live the life that God has given them to live today. Right? They're so focused on tomorrow, they totally miss the blessings that God gives us today. So, what do we learn from today's reading? Well, firstly, blessing begins with sacrifice. Discipleship without sacrifice probably isn't discipleship at all. Because Jesus told us that if we're following him then there's going to be sacrifices. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be troubles. And these are blessings for disciples of Jesus. These are blessings for people who sacrifice for Jesus. These are blessings for people who are following Jesus in all of the toughness that that entails. This is for people who have left something to follow Jesus. But we don't just sacrifice just for the sake of sacrifice. We sacrifice for the sake of Jesus and for the gospel. The gospel is good news. To to make a sacrifice for the sake of the gospel is to give something up 
so that we can tell the good news of Jesus and do that ourselves. Or it can also be so that we can help somebody else to tell the good news of Jesus. Right? So you might give up something so you can support a ministry. Or you might give up something so that you can take a part in that ministry and be involved in that ministry. So to sacrifice for the sake of Jesus is to sacrifice because we love Jesus. And to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel is we sacrifice because we love others. And because we love others, we want them to be able to hear the gospel, to hear the good news, so that they can respond to Jesus and also become people who love Jesus. So what does this look like? What does sacrifice for the sake of Jesus look like? And what does sacrifice for the sake of the gospel look like? In some countries of the world, it's very dangerous to be a Christian. According to Open Doors, every day 11 Christians are killed for their faith. I know at times that figure is much higher, depending on what's happening in the world at the time. In some Muslim countries under Sharia law, Islam is the only religion allowed. And anyone who converts to Islam from Christianity, sorry, who converts from Islam to Christianity is punished. They may very well be killed. They lose their homes. They lose their businesses. Uh, they're not allowed to be employed. They lose everything. Sometimes Christians are given the option, renounce Jesus, convert to Islam and live. Or if you don't renounce Jesus, we'll kill your children in front of you. Now, what, what a dreadful position for a parent to be in. They've got their, your kids lined up in front of you. And if you don't convert from Christianity, if you don't denounce Jesus and become a Muslim, we're going to kill your children. And whole families have been slaughtered because they refuse to renounce Jesus. Why would they do that? Why would they refuse to say those words? You know, and some people justify it and they say, well, I guess what's in my heart doesn't have to match what comes out of my mouth. And yet there are people who will not renounce Jesus with their words because they love Jesus. And Jesus calls us to honour him and to stay faithful to him to the end. Now, we don't have that level of persecution in Australia, but even in our land, we sometimes have to give up something for the sake of Jesus. A news agent may refuse to sell pornography or gold lotto, and guess what? They lose a lot of business, particularly from the gold lotto thing. An employee may refuse to lie for his boss and lose his job. A doctor may refuse to refer someone to an abortion clinic and be disciplined. A teacher may refuse to, to teach what they're told to teach. A teacher may teach the merits of creation in a science class and get disciplined because of it. But we continue to honour Jesus no matter what the cost. 
That's what sacrifice for the sake of Jesus looks like. It's choosing to honour Jesus. It's refusing to deny Jesus. And it's openly acknowledging Jesus before men. And that can sometimes cost us. But what about sacrifice for the sake of the gospel? A missionary may, may leave their home, their culture, their family, and go to another country for the sake of the gospel. You might give up your weekend so that you can intentionally go and visit people and talk to them about Jesus. You might give up work time so that you can take a few hours off during the week and go and teach RE at a school. You might give up your savings so you can support a missionary or a ministry. Or you may even give up your savings so that you can go and be that missionary. You might have the choice where you can take a bit of time out and do some external studies so that you can get promoted in your job, but you might go, no, I don't need that. And you might actually use that opportunity to do some external studies in, in biblical studies or in ministry studies so that you will, can better equip yourself to be able to share your faith and preach the gospel. These are all costs for the sake of the gospel, where we give up something for the sake of the gospel. Blessing begins with sacrifice. And we sacrifice for the sake of Jesus and for the gospel. Thirdly, the blessings of being a disciple of Jesus aren't usually possessions that we are to keep for ourselves, right? Blessings are shared. When Jesus said, you'll receive a hundredfold, when he said, if you leave your home, you'll receive a hundredfold, does that mean that when Robin and I sold up our home, that we were still paying off at the time, so that I could leave work and pack up our whole family and, and move to the city so I could go to Bible college, did Jesus mean, well, you've given up your home, I'm going to give you a hundred homes. Therefore, you can live in one of them and rent 99 of them out. Is that what, what he meant? Not at all. When we sold our home so I could go to Bible college, uh, that, was, that was an enormous cost for us. It just so happens that that was just before the start of the real estate boom. So if I'd stayed in the job that I was in, and we'd kept our home, we would have had that house paid off in the next few years. Probably by the time I was 35, 36, 37, somewhere around there, we would have had it paid off. But here I am, I turned 50 this year, and I still owe more money on our house now than what, than what we paid for our original house back then. Because the time that we were out of owning a home, the real estate just went, went skyrocketed. So, does that mean Jesus failed in his promise? No, not at all. It just means if that's what I think Jesus' promise is, then I've totally misunderstood the promise. You see, when someone leaves their house for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel, there's a hundred other homes that welcome them. So while I was in Bible college, some Christians provided a house for us to live in at very low rent. And in fact, if we couldn't afford to pay them any rent, 
they wouldn't have charged us rent. And then when we were called to St. George to come and be a minister at a particular church, the local church provided a really nice house for us to live in. And in fact, it was the nicest house that we've ever lived in. When someone leaves their home for the sake of, of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel, their Christian family, no matter where they are in the world, welcome them into their homes. You see, this is what we're getting at last week when we talked about, you know, we've got the option of being tight-fisted with what we have or being open-handed with what we have. See, the blessing of being a disciple of Jesus means sometimes we're the ones being blessed. Sometimes we're the ones receiving the blessing and sometimes we're the ones doing the blessing. And wow, what a privilege it is to, to be able to bless someone in the name of Jesus. Robin and I, we really enjoy opening up our home for others. Sometimes people might be passing through town on their way further out west. They, they're going out there to, to do some, something for the gospel. And we've had these random people just turn up on our doorstep. Sometimes they ring, sometimes they just turn up on the doorstep and, um, and just pop in. And we don't know them, never met them before. But they sort of go, oh, I wonder who, who the Christian community are in St. George. And they look up and, and they, on the internet and they discover Bush Disciples. And they go, oh, I wonder who these Bush Disciples are. And they read a bit, oh, that's very interesting. I'd like to meet them. And they just turn up and we meet each other. And even though we've never met them before, as soon as we meet them, we know we're family. Their Heavenly Father is the same as our Heavenly Father. And we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And here they are, that they've left their home, they've given up stuff, they've given up their time, they're sacrificing for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel. And they're heading out west to go and visit some other town out there somewhere and to take the gospel to them. And they're just staying overnight or maybe for a few days in St. George on the way. And sometimes there's been times when, okay, well, we, are, we always ask them, where are you staying? And sometimes I might say, oh, we're just going to pitch a tent in the local caravan park. And we said, no, 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 stay with us. Stay with us. Because if you're the family of Jesus Christ, why should you be staying in a tent when you can stay with us? That's what it's about. Sometimes we're the ones being blessed. Sometimes we're the ones giving the blessing to make this happen. As an ex-farmer, one of the biggest things that I had to give up was my dream of one day having my own farm. But you know what? When Jesus said, you know, if you give up lands, there's going to be a hundred, hundredfold lands given to you. I now know countless Christian farmers who welcome me onto their farms. You know, if I ever find that I'm just needing a bit of time away from, from the town to get a bit of rural therapy, I can go to any number of farms. I can turn up there and I just don't even have to ask. I don't care if I just turn up on their farms and just be out there. 
I want to ride a motorbike for a bit, take the motorbike, have a ride. If I want to go and do some shooting, yeah, go and do some shooting, whatever it is you want to do. Of course, they want me to drive that tractor for them or something. Um, we can always do that too. So the blessings aren't usually possessions we keep for ourselves. Blessings are shared. And this works both ways. Sometimes we'll be the givers of the blessings. Sometimes we're the receivers of the blessing. Now, some of us might be really good at one and not so good at the other. Some of us might be really good at giving the blessings, but not so good at receiving blessings. Some of us might be really good at receiving blessings, not so good at giving blessings. But, you know, I've sort of found that there's times when God wants us to be the givers and times when God wants us to be the receivers. Now, Robin and I have a bit of trouble with this sometimes. We, like as I said before, we love having people come and stay with us. Um, we find it a lot harder for us to go and stay with a stranger. It's sort of, they sort of think, oh, why, why would you be welcoming us into your home? You don't even know us. And yet we expect it to happen the other way around. We receive people who, who we don't know into our home. And so it's important for us to, to, to do this, to, to be people who not only give the blessing but also receive that blessing. And I know there's people here who when they know a brother or a sister in Christ is, is doing it a bit tough, they're very quick to give a bit of anonymous financial support. But sometimes it's hard to be the receiver of, the, of that sort of gift. I think it's probably because our pride gets in the way. But you see, for God's method of blessing disciples of Jesus to work, we can't be tight-fisted and we can't reject the blessing when it gets offered. If, if God has blessed us with finances, or if God has blessed us with possessions, or if God has blessed us with homes, they're not just for us. They're for us to share. And even our lives are to be shared. Now, if you're somebody who loves to have a really private life, you're going to find this part really tough. But even our lives as disciples of Jesus are meant to be shared with our Christian family. Do you know what I reckon is one of the most attractive traits to discover in a church? Welcome and hospitality. When a church functions as it's supposed to, it becomes a place where we have a genuine sense of community, a genuine sense of belonging, a genuine sense of family. Remember before I said that, that to people of the world, these blessings probably don't seem like very much of a blessing. If you leave your home, you get to visit someone else's place. Big whoop. You know, if you leave your land, you get to visit somebody else's land. Big whoop. You know, you leave your family, you get to connect with a hundred other families. Yeah, big whoop. From a worldly perspective, we'll never understand this sort of blessing. The blessing is to be a part of something that's truly amazing. The blessing 
is to experience the community of the family of God. Now, if we shut ourselves off from this, if we shut ourselves off from God's family, we're never going to experience the blessing that God has in store for us. The blessing is when we give up something for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel, the church envelops us. The church wraps their arms around us. The church becomes our family. They become our community. They become those who provide and care. I think when this really became evident to me was... I better preface this. Robin and I hate moving. I, I hate moving house. I particularly hate moving towns. Although when we were living in Brisbane, I was very happy to move out of Brisbane. Um, oh, sorry for anyone who might be listening from Brisbane. Lovely place. Lovely place. Uh, but, but when you're a country boy, you want to get back into the country. Now, what I really noticed was um, there was one time we moved... And I can't even, I was trying, racking my brain, I should have asked Robin, she might remember. I can't even remember what move it was or where we moved to. Um, but it was, we'd been in that town for about 12 months and we was talking to somebody else who had also moved to that same place about the same time as what we had, but they weren't Christians. And they wanted to know, how come you guys are so connected? How come, how come you've got people who can support you when I feel so alone? How come you've got all these people who are your friends and it's like you've known them forever and I'm just lonely? And, of course, all we could say is, well, thing is, we might have moved where we were, but we moved to where we've got family. Because wherever we move, we've got our church family. We've got our Christian brothers and sisters. And every time, that's where it really gelled for me. When we move to a place, instantly we've got all these people who we're really close to. And the only thing that brings us together is we've got the same Heavenly Father. We've got the same Saviour. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And when the church is functioning as it should... What a blessing this is. What a blessing it is to, to experience God's provision. What a, a blessing it is to experience the fellowship, to experience the community of the church, to experience the family, the Christian family, and to have this connection, this sense of belonging, to have this place to call home. It's wonderful. Have you guys... Have you, you know what I'm talking about. I hope you do. If you don't, you really need to engage with your church. And I know there's people who, who listen to these recordings who, who have told, some people have told me, oh, we don't actually go to a church. We just listen to these recordings. That's our teaching. You're missing out. You need to have a Christian family to experience the blessings that God is talking about here. You know, the, the greatest blessing that God has given Robin and I in ministry, it might be something we take for granted sometimes. 
but it's fellowship with you guys. It's fellowship with the churches we connect with. It's something which means more to us than anything else here. Let's move on. With these blessings come persecutions. Now, we're not going to talk about that much today. We're going to talk more about that next week. But while we live on this earth, uh, we can't expect persecutions to stop. Jesus told us that they'll continue. And in fact, we've been told that they're going to inc- excuse me, increase as, um, as time goes by. But where would the benefits of discipleship be if we ignored the eternal blessing? Yep, there's blessings in this life, but there's also persecutions in this life. But there's a time when persecutions are going to end. Of course, that's when Jesus returns. And the great hope that disciples of Jesus have is eternal life with our Lord. Now, I'm not sure why anyone would do this, but it's been done a number of times. It's been when a family has asked me to conduct a funeral for someone who's openly rejected Jesus for their whole lives, right? So they've died as someone who's openly rejected Jesus, and yet they asked me to take the funeral. What hope do I have to share with the family? What words of comfort could I offer them? Not much. Not much. But wow, just how different it is a funeral for a committed Christian. That's actually a joyous occasion. What a hope we have. What a joy we have to be with Jesus in his eternal glory. What a blessing it is to be a disciple of Jesus. What a blessing it is to live as a disciple of Jesus. And what an amazing blessing it is to die as a disciple of Jesus. And I'm not at all being morbid, am I, by talking about dying. Because morbidity is to do with death. Whereas death for a Christian is just going through that gateway to a new stage of life. Eternal life with our Lord. In Jesus Christ, we are truly blessed. In this life, followers of Jesus may indeed get downtrodden and be doing it tough. But as Jesus said, many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Amen. Well, let's, let's give thanks for the blessings, hey? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the for the blessing that it is to be followers of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we we don't even have to wait for this eternal blessing. Yes, we, we really look forward to this eternal blessing and we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. Bring your kingdom. But we also thank you for the blessings that we have today, the blessings in this life. Lord, we want to thank you for our Christian family that we have here in this place. We want to thank you for the Christian family we have spread right across the world. Lord, we want to thank you for the sense of community that that we have as we live together as your children. 
Lord, we want to thank you for that, for that blessing, but we also, Lord, we want to ask that you would help us to freely be that blessing, to be willing to, to welcome people into our community to, and to, to willingly be welcomed into that community. Lord, help us to be this part of this great vision of, of the blessing of being your people on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen.